I'm Gab, he's Jules, uh, gray skies over West London, but never fear, it's a Gab and Jules show, it it's is. international break, you don't normally like to tell people we have a really packed show yeah. for them, um, we have some international football, yeah. some nations, we have some big stories, it's not as packed as usual, <laughs> truth in advertising, It's true. but it's we'll true. be getting to all that, um, we're going to talk about, it's the 30th anniversary of the Premier League, Yes, right. I have some thoughts to get off my chest about that, and the success of the Premier League, we'll be talking about that, we're talking about the Nations League, we'll be talking mm. about England sticking it up, getting relegated, about France stinking it up. We're about Spain stinking it up. Yeah. We're talking about Belgium stinking it up. What's happening to all our favorites here, Jules? I know. But first, yeah. I need to ask you about your shirt. Oh, yeah. You normally wear football shirts. The folks at Classic Football Shirts give them to you. What club shirt is this? So this is a town in Wales, uh, in Anglesey. Anglesey, Anglis yes. Which is actually the uh, longest... Uh, name for a town in the whole world. As you can see, it's a, it's a very, 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 very long name with a lot of letters. Now, among my many skills is most definitely not pronouncing <laughs> Welsh town names. And I'm no. guessing yours too, despite your family being half Welsh. Yeah. So what is the team? This is the name of the town. Okay. <laughs> FC, obviously, because it's a football club. Yeah, so for, for those who are listening to the podcast, but Jules actually had to get his phone to play the name because he cannot read or pronounce it correctly. Anybody anyway, can. No, I mean, no, and not people who live there can, surely. I am sure uh, Welsh speakers out there, uh, please amazing. feel free to correct Jules' phone. <laughs> Uh, and tell us about it. Anyway, let's get into the football. Because, yeah. all right, this is on the back of a column. And I, I love to plug my column. Of course, from what you're in what? No, but it's the 30th anniversary of Premier League, right? You and I have both lived here together, combined for many, many years. Yeah. Um, we love the Premier League. Like, uh, we can be critical at times, but yeah. I think it's fair to say, like, it's pretty amazing. It may well be the most successful sports league, you know, not just football league, no, globally sports, in the world, yeah. right? Uh, much as I love the NFL, by the way, Eagles 3-0, there's, there's no real comparison no, in terms of reach and whatever. Now, what gets me, and this is the point I make in my column, is I ask myself, you know, what are the reasons why it's so successful? And there's very many, we'll get into the more granular, but here at the top, I want to talk about two reasons. The conventional wisdom say you need to have a successful popular league. And I'm thinking, they really don't matter to the Premier League. And I'll tell you what they are. Yeah. One is, oh, you need to have superstars. It's got to be a superstar-driven league, like, like the NBA or whatever. I would argue that if we're talking about global megastars, they really haven't been a part of the Premier League success. Or they've lost them. Being or they've, they've they lost them. They lost Cristiano in, in the prime. You know, I went through this. I went through looked at the last... As you know my thoughts on the Ballon d'Or, right? Yeah. The Ballon d'Or is the ultimate football popularity contest. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 it's a measure. It's as good a measure of superstardom as you're going to get. And I looked at who finished in the top five over the last 20 years, every edition, right? Yeah. So it was 100 players. I don't have the column in front of me, so I don't remember the exact I number. I think I do remember. 17? I believe I it, it is. It is seventeen. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it was Cristiano twice, Thierry Henry three times, and then it's twelve other dudes yeah. doing it just once. Look, I'm not saying Mohamed Salah isn't a superstar, and obviously Erling Holland, yeah, you know, he just yeah, arrived. Yeah. But in terms of global popularity and reach, and and that is something that you can, I think, the Ballon d'Or is very good at measuring. That hasn't been part of the story. 
No, and, and maybe there's other leagues, well, especially Spain, really. La Liga, obviously. La Liga, who focused on the superstardom, and they had, obviously, for many years, the two best, biggest ones in Cristiano and, and Messi. And maybe the Premier League, because of all the money, can go more in terms of quantity than just the quality of one superstar yeah. and then some really good players, but instead have some almost superstars, but who are still better than your average yeah. Kind of star, I don't know. I, I, I think it's also the, the market, they, they market the brands yeah. more so, right? So so the star is, and it's a cliche, nobody's bigger than him, but the star is Manchester United. David Beckham can leave, mm -hmm. Cristiano can leave. And this idea that there's a big mass of sort of floating fans who follow superstars around the way they might do, again, in the NBA, yeah, yeah. I don't think applies to the Premier League in, in, in the same way. Mm. The other thing, which is something I brought up many, many times, yeah. is... This idea, oh, but the Premier League is great because it's so competitive, it's so uncertain. You know, it's not so you don't have Bayern Munich winning it ten years in a row, or Juve winning it nine years in a row, or Paris. And I say, yeah, it's true to a point. Although City have won four of the last five, and yeah. are probably strong favorites to win it again this yeah. year. But there's different ways to measure that. So if you look at since 2005, which is when Everton finished fourth. Um, only one English side outside of the big six has finished in the top four, and that's Leicester City when yeah. they won it. So basically, you've had seven teams, just seven teams finishing in the top four in the last 17 years. Uh, this does not compare well no, to France, Germany, Italy. They've all had more than that. I think 114, 13, 12. So... I hate to break it to you, Aston Villa, Everton. But isn't like it's really, really, really hard to finish top four. But isn't isn't the competitiveness as well from the whole league? So it's not so much who's going to finish top four, and if someone can break into it. But is that when you play the team that is bottom or the team that is fifteenth or twelfth, it's still it's still a great game. It's still a tight game. It's still a tough game. I mean, not every it, time I know because like Bournemouth lost nine nil. Yeah. But you see what I mean? Maybe more. And that's how we I, said with the number the tenth place in Ligue 1, or in Serie A, or in La Liga, where do they compare with the 10th place team I know, in the Premier League? I don't know if that's what you need to look at. You need to look at not whether they're better or worse than the 10th team in the Premier League. Are there games against the number one in La Liga, like, like whoever's 10th yeah. in France? Are there the game against Paris Saint-Germain, is it as competitive yeah, exactly. as Manchester City? And I think there, there's more to get into. Yeah. I've asked myself, because this is something, at least in terms of results, you can generally measure statistically, right? You know, are there more upsets in the Premier League? Yeah. And the answer is no. No. <laughs> they really aren't, right? But I do agree with you. The games feel more competitive. It's yeah. better entertainment. And I think uh, I, I think this has to do with the packaging, the presentation, and all the things that yeah, I think make the Premier League what they Definitely. are. But, but before I get to that, to me, I wonder, do you think this lack of competitive, the fact that it is so difficult to break into the big six, right? I mean, let alone the top four. Yeah. So obviously now we have Newcastle with a lot of money. Yeah. Villa has spent, have spent a ton, ton of money. West Ham spent a ton of money. Yeah. Everton, by rights, feel they belong there too. They yeah, spent yeah. a lot of money before. But it really is such a mountain to climb. Would we get to the point where the people who invest in these clubs like do their sums and say, yeah, screw this. Like the gap yeah, between I see what you mean. Be between us and whoever number six is in terms of revenue, I'm guessing is Spurs most years. Yeah. It's just too big. Yeah, I, th I think that's a fair point. You know, we often say that football works in cycles, which is true. It feels like in the Premier League, the cycle is longer 
then he might be in other countries where even if some of the bigger names or the bigger clubs at times have a, a bad patch and then they may come out right. like AC Milan, for example, or you know, the same club. It feels like maybe in the Premier League, those cycles are much longer. So um, so you, you, you do wonder if anyone would be able to break that top four consistently. I mean, not just a, you know one time like Leicester, but consistently, but, but you try because... If you if you own Aston Villa or Newcastle, it's still worth it for you to go in, spend the money that you get from being in the league anyway, to try to make the team as most the most competitive as possible, get the best players as you can because this will be good for your own fine base, for your image, for everything. So it kind of a it's a good good cycle, I guess, good circle. I I think you're right, and I think the other difference has to do with. I'm going to say like the, the Premier League fans, but not like Premier League fans in England, because I, I genuinely believe there is not a, there's a bit of a, not a disconnect, but Premier League fans will actually go to games. Yeah. And by the way, I know we constantly talk about global fan bases. I mean, we're a global network talking to global yeah. fans, right? But the reality is teams make most of their money off the actual fan who lives in the country, yeah. who goes to games, whether every week or a couple times a year. The, the fan halfway around the world in Chicago, I, I always mention like this mythical Manchester United fan in Chicago, right? <laughs> How much does he contribute to Manchester United? He buys the shirts. He might buy a shirt, maybe what, one shirt a year? Yeah. Okay, so there's what, like 10 pounds? Some travel though from, Some, you know, from far away to come and watch matches. I, I think realistically, the vast majority, even an avid Manchester United fan watches every game, every United game on, on, on television. True. So he'll pay for his um, subscription, for his subscription, right? Which you know, is ten bucks a month, and United only get a small slice of that, right? That's not really no. does move the needle. No, no. He might buy a shirt and a hoodie. Let's say he buys a hundred bucks worth of merchandise a year, of which, as we know from the licensing agreements, United only gets a small part yeah, of that. Yeah, true. Maybe in the summer, if United every other year, United might go on tour to the U.S. Yeah. Maybe he'll travel to a game and buy a ticket, maybe some more merch. Yeah. Another couple hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah. No, which then yeah. gets divided between relevant and whoever organizes it. So in the end, this guy, this avid Manchester United fan in the US, it doesn't move the needle. And that's in no, the US where they have money. So like you compare it to like the, you know, no disrespect, but the a working class Manchester United fan in Nigeria, what does he contribute to the club's coffers relative True. to Mark Ogden's cousin who, you know, yeah. who, who, who lives in like, you know, like Trafford yeah, and goes to Ken. Yeah, 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 exactly. Although the bigger picture, isn't it, that the more fans in Chicago watch the Premier League and Manchester United, the bigger the TV right deal is for the US, yeah. the more money gets into, and then same with sponsor. So, you know, it's the that is part of the equation as well. And I think the, the, the TV rights piece has been a big one. And that also comes to tell you, though, because remember, the overseas TV rights get split between all 20 teams. Yeah. Right. So you've got those fans there. But I think the fans here who are the ones that are easiest to monetize. And I think this is something where maybe English culture, fan culture is a little bit different. I might say a little bit better than in other countries. If their team has a couple seasons where they push, try to push for the top six or whatever, mm. and then they fall away. I'm thinking of Wolves, Leicester. Yeah. It's not like they're going to stop going. They'll still be there. Yeah. So I think like if I was one of those sort of, you know, middle class or upper middle class English clubs, I would come to the realization that 
maybe my business model should be keep my fans happy and entertained. Yeah. Some of it, let's spend the TV money, but let's not be greedy. Let's not make it all about breaking into the top floor, living the dream lead style, right? Yeah. And I think that's how you can achieve sustainability. It works further down the food table. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 you know, we're both familiar with, with Brentford, right? So that guy builds a stadium. It's a yeah. 19,000 seat stadium. He doesn't expect Brentford to grow and become, you know, even the size of Fulham or QPR, you yeah, know, yeah, let alone yeah. Chelsea or Arsenal or, or whatever. He gives the fans what they like. The fans are loyal. The fans show up. Yeah. He runs a club well. Even if they get relegated, eh, they'll be back in a couple of years. Yeah. You know, and they probably won't get relegated this year, I assume. So I think that's this weird sustainable model. But it's not about competitors. It's about clubs being run well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so what does make the Premier League? If you had to... The, the, let's just chuck out the, reasons why the Premier the League... The one thing that you haven't mentioned, I think... Well, you did a little bit, but I think it's just the way English football is. I remember when I moved here in this country like 18 years ago and time playing... So there's some mates that I met playing football and we played in this like Sunday afternoon league and the first game, like I could not catch my breath after five minutes gap. I promise you, it was literally what it was literally box to box. Everybody was running the intensity for a Sunday. It was a good it was a good level, but it was still a Sunday afternoon level, nothing like fancy or anything. Right. They were all smoking or drinking before and after the game, and yet they could not stop running. And I was like, wow, okay, this is English football. And I think a lot of what has made the Premier League so good, even if there's less and less English players in the league or British players, it's still that the culture and the idea of English football is very much the intensity, very much the rhythm of the game where you, where it's so entertaining because it's not too tactical, it's not too defensive, it's, it's very much like, like when I started playing here and I was amazed how yeah. amazing it was it, and like I thought, okay, I need to up my fitness here because I've never been able to play well in this country. There, there's definitely a big element of that and that's very attractive on television and in yeah. person um, at the stadiums. Uh, Gianluca Vialli used to say that it's amazing if all these foreign players, foreign coaches, but when they come here, they adopt that style, that mm. ethos of the intensity of the games. And you can go and you can, you know, there's ways to measure this. I don't think games in the Bundesliga are necessarily, you know, that much less intense no, no, you're than right. they are there's... here. Um, but it all just feels so intense, also because of the presentation, the way yeah. the fans are so close to the ground. Um, yeah, the atmosphere has played the big the, part, yeah. The atmosphere. And, you know, we can often go, and people are old school, and say, you know, the atmosphere, a lot of games, has is also the flip side, is it's, it's quite corporate and whatever when you're there. I mean, I'm going to sign in the old, but the atmosphere, for me, at the Emirates or Stamford Bridge, which are the two grounds I go to the most, isn't what it was. Yeah. Um, but equally, on television, it still looks great. Yeah, yeah. And you attract a different sort of fan who's now used to it. So I think that that is a mm. big factor. One other huge factor, um, which other leagues don't have, is the risk of getting political or talking about is that basically in the 1980s this country deregulated a whole bunch of things yeah. and it became much more attractive to foreign investors yeah so you know you had roman abramovich and you had the, the abu dhabi folks taking yeah. over city that injected a huge amount of capital into the game and also made it easier for foreign owners to come in and it's not like the foreign owners are better smarter or you know, except for Top Holy, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
they bring more capital into it. Yeah. They bring different kinds of expertise. There's a whole comparison of ideas. It just more. It just feels more, much more global. Yeah, and you were when we talked about Todd Burley and this that famous conference and everything. We made a good point as well in how much the Premier League had learned from from other sports and other league already. Yeah. That's what also made them so so successful. Is that they, at times I remember the beginning of the Premier League thirty years ago. They tried the pom pom girls like you have. Yeah, the I was going to bring the cheerleaders. Yeah, cheerleaders or whatever. Like, no, we don't want this. Yeah, and they they tried a bit. Okay, this is not, that doesn't yeah. work. Let's move on to something else. But when you try and the yeah. things that work. You see their work, you make them better, and you build them even better. And this is where we are now, 30 years later. And I think they're very clever the way they did that. And I think there's there's just a general openness to... It's weird because in some ways it's an island and it's insular and our game and all this stuff. But equally, it's not just the foreign owners. It's the foreign... And, or, or, or the foreign players. Every league yeah. has a ton of foreign players, right? Yeah. It's the foreign coaches who, yeah. who bring a whole range of ideas, make the English force the English coaches to up their game in a way that, for example, doesn't then, happen in Italy. Yeah. We have foreign coaches in Italy too, but then, you know, now we've got younger ones coming through. But for a long time, people just cycled through the same old names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't really, they, they weren't challenged. They didn't kick it up and not. Foreign executives yeah. as well at football clubs, they're, they're all over. I mean, I know it's kind of boring when we talk about chief executives and whatever, but the amount of women, the amount of people who are not, yeah. who are not British, is far higher than you would find in Germany, Definitely. in Italy, in Spain, and, and I'm guessing in France yeah, as well. Yeah, completely. So I think that was another huge, huge driver. Mm. Um, two obvious advantages that they have is language. Yeah, as I you mean, said in the piece, yeah, the English, easy. of course, yeah. Um, and I think a quality to that is also the history. I mean, ultimately, the game was invented on this island. Yeah, yeah I know... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into whether it was Scots or English who invented it, nope. because I know that's a sore spot, but it still was invented here yeah. in this island. You've got the history, you've got, you've got the legacy. Yeah. Every country has historic clubs, but here they do history very and much. pageantry yeah. very, very well. Very well. They know. Um, to do that. And I think one other big factor is, you know, last time on the show, we talked about all the chaos at the FA in, in France and mm. whatever. I know in Italy, when they have league meetings, they, they fight, they immediately yeah. press. We've had league meetings where <laughs> some owners were like recording during the league meetings and then like, you know, leaking it into the media. Stuff like this happened all the time, yeah. right? Here in England, and okay, Richard Scudamore, I like some of the things he did. I don't like some of the things he did, right? But he was in charge for 15 years. Um, yeah. The league always spoke with one voice, yeah. which is pretty amazing when you've got billionaire sheikhs and Russian oligarchs and American private equity oh, alpha males in the room. I don't know if inside the room they're all at each other's throats, but when they left the room, only Scudamore spoke. But I don't think you can grow the way they grew without all being on the same page or not. Maybe not every single club, right. but certainly a lot of them must have been that togetherness. Must Otherwise, you don't grow as well oh. as they do. Think of the years. contrast. I'm just going to mention three things that happened in you know the next three leagues, Spain, yeah. Italy, and Germany, that did not happen here, which I think are really, really relevant, right? In Germany, a few years ago, we it emerged with a scandal where the national broadcaster was essentially paying Bayern extra money without telling the other clubs yeah. so that Bayern could stay yeah, in, the, in, in the league, right? So Bayern could, well, yeah, we'll sign this contract, but then you <laughs> give us this extra, right? Essentially a slush run, right? Yeah. In in Italy, you had the president of the biggest club in addition to being the guy who drives the Super League, you know, uh, Andrea Agnelli, 
coming out and saying that like, oh, you know, Shady is like a ball and chain for us. We're much bigger. It doesn't work to try to elevate the no, league. Right. In yeah. Spain, obviously, you've got Tebas, yeah. who I think generally has done a good, very good job yeah, of the league. Yeah. At continuous loggerheads with Real Madrid and Barcelona, not just over the Super League, but over everything, everything right? The yeah. CVC deal, whatever. So here in England, you don't have that. And you would have reason to do it, right? You, people have reasons to complain. I mean, if I was a Glazer, we, we depict the Glazers as like money-grubbing monsters, right? Shouldn't Joe Glazer go if Joe Glazer were in Italy or if he were Italian, he would have gone in and he would have said, Screw all of you. I'm sorry, Brentford, Fulham, are you kidding? I generate Manchester, I generate all the money. I need a guaranteed bigger slice of the pie. That's what he would have done. Yeah. I mean, and he remember, would have gone on television, he would have gone outside and he would have lobbied hard for it, right? Remember that's yeah, well, maybe not to that point, but remember the first lockdown, there was the United and Liverpool especially. Yes. So it, I think there must be tensions at times, of course, and the, the, the smaller, the bigger... Club, but that was post-Scudamore, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was. That was after yeah, yeah, Scudamore. Right, right. Scudamore before, I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he's like the... He seemed to keep everybody happy, that's yeah, true. He's yeah. got this capacity to talk to billionaires and big egos and keep them all in line. Yeah. Um, so I think when we talk about just, I guess, I, I said this because... We didn't want to spend the whole time talking about some international game that everybody's forgotten already. <laughs> but I think it's good to celebrate 30 years yeah, of, of course Premier League. It, is. it yeah. really is one of the great success yeah. stories. It's far yeah. from perfect. We criticize it all the time. Yeah, of course. I criticize in a few minutes. Yeah. But what they've done so well. And I think there's some things other leagues can learn. There's mm. other things that, you know, can't be replicated elsewhere. And so you have to find your yeah. own path That's to true. success and to sustainability. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab. Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough big, wet, sloppy kisses for the <laughs> Premier League. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. France crashed for a 2-0 defeat away to Denmark and Jules. Had Austria not lost at home to Croatia, you would have been relegated yeah, in the nation. Not. Yeah, but we're not. Yeah, but you would have been. I know, but You'd be like have, with some ifs, as you always say, you know, your nan would have wills or whatever it is. <laughs> What's the issue here? Don't, don't say know. the injuries because you told me, oh, they have two teams, they have three teams, they have yeah, four yeah, teams. Yeah, this was France's C team, but I mean... <sighs> the C team with Mbappe. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I know, Mbappe and Griezmann, Chouameni and all of that. I think Deschamps made a mistake by having such a, such a young back three. Saliba 21, Upamecano 23, Badiashil 21. I think all three of them is like nine caps. Uh, to play against a team like Denmark, 
Ooh, the, the threat no, of Casper no, 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 Dolberg. It's, so it's not so much the threat of Dolberg or Damsgaard the Danish Ibrahimovic. Skovolson. It's just, it's just the, I think the, it's just the way the game would go, the intensity of the game. I don't think they were ready for it. And there's that patch 25 minutes in the first half where I think France started well and then we disappeared. We could not get three passes together. We could not get out of our own half. They pressed well. They scored the first goal. Then they were really a threat on set pieces by doing the same thing. They used to, they, they were blocking Chouameni and then Delaney was on his own to do a free header. That's how they scored the second one, two goals in five minutes. And that was it. It was poor from Deschamps. Second half was a bit better and Mbappe missed two big, big chances. So it's not all bad, but it's just one of those games where you can't repeat it too many times. Otherwise, yeah. we're not going to see this France at the World Cup. No, definitely not. And speaking of Denmark, Gab, they will face France again. Obviously, we said at the World Cup, along with Australia and Tunisia. How do you think they can? Could it be a surprise? Could it be a dark horse? I'm not a dark horse to win it, but um, from what I can tell, Australia obviously didn't have a great qualifying campaign. I know they beat New Zealand the other day. Yeah, one and they won again yesterday, I think. I don't know, and you never know quite what to read into this um but yeah i think they can definitely get out of this group yeah um i i think there's compactness there's a little stardust from ericsson and hopefully from damsgaard as well so yeah no i i i think obviously france will win the group but but denmark i think will be if ericsson stays at that level he was it was amazing yesterday again like he's been for united for most of the season sorry jules got to go back to more french misery with an update (laughs) on the pogba case who is Ibrahim the Great and why did Pogba hire him? Grande, even. Grande. Not I, even the, yeah, Grande as in Italian, Grande. Oh, is he Italian? No, he's, he's, no, he's, no, he's French, he's Parisian. He's a witch doctor. He's oh. a marabout. As a marabout. Say. Marabout, indeed. That, that sounds more dignified than witch doctor. Yeah, I guess so. But they do the same thing. Uh, they protect you if you want. They can make things happen, apparently. And Pogba believed on the advice maybe of Serge Aurier and Aloudiara, the, the former French international, that Ibrahim Grande was great. So he spent a lot of time and a lot of money um, to, to get the help of Grande. But, so, but, but to be clear on this, because I, I, I know it sounds weird that this even came up. One of the allegations that his brother made was that, oh, you asked the Marabout to cast a spell on Mbappe. So not really on Mbappe, but, it was on PSG in that, United PSG, PSG United second leg in the Champions League okay. that they won 3-1 in, at the Parc des Princes. But instead, Pogba says, no, I just simply asked him to protect me from To injury. protect me and to, to make things happen for the foundation in Africa, so to bring success and, and kind of money right. to Africa, to, to the Given Pogba's injury record that. and the luck he he's had with money. people showing up at his house, I don't know if... But United won that game against PSG, so maybe Ibrahim the Grande... But that's not what he asked for. Well, no, he did. Well... That's what uh, the brother says. By yeah. the way, the brother who's in jail, but still tweet videos, you know, and put them on TikTok. And what a story. Gab, England played Germany in a few hours on Monday night at Wembley, but it's a dead rubber for Gareth Southgate. They've already been relegated out of the Nations League group. They finished bottom. Is this a big deal? Um, I, I like the Nations League. This weird Nations League version we have this year crammed into the calendar is not working out. Um, it's not a big deal they got relegated. It's a big deal that they've not played well, but they haven't yeah. played well. What is it, like one goal from open play in like the last 12 months, it yeah. feels like? Um, yeah, against San Marino. <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it's... Uh, again, like, I, against Italy, they, they, they were just so limp and yeah. so tame. Other than 
Kane isolated, the ball getting to Foden, unless Foden sparked into something, but yeah. even then he's surrounded by players. This was an injury-riddled Italy side. No, it's obviously his future is going to depend on the World Cup, right? Yeah, if, if, so. if he gets to the semifinal, St. Gareth, Sir Gareth, blah, blah, blah. They play like this, they won't. No. Still, too defensive, too conservative. Hmm. Croatia win 3-1 away against Austria to top that group with France and that nice young man, Mr. Modric, opens a scoring. Hmm. Jules, this is supposed to be an aging team, but they're through the Nations League Final Four. They reached the final last World Cup. Can they go far in Qatar? Um, I mean, I have to say, they amaze me every time where you think, okay, they're definitely on their way down now. And the next generation is not too bad. They've got really good you know, young players, young defenders. So... For a small nation like that to still produce all that is great. For the World Cup, I'm still not too convinced. It's a tough group they're in, and and it will depend a lot on Modric still. Holland have also qualified for the final four, Gab, beating Belgium 1-0 with a Virgil van Dijk header. Gab, what did you learn? And are you a fan of Ruud van Gaal back three? Um, you know what? They have so many good central defenders, <laughs> frankly. I mean, as well as three in every game. Sorry? May as well use three in every might game. As well, but might as well pack them in there. We've seen Van Hal can go all defensive and counterattack. Like, if it's going to be sit at the back and wait for Depay to do something at the other end, Depay obviously not involved in, in, in this game. Um, why not? That can take your final World Cup. I worked for them last time around. Uh, as far as Belgium's concerned, come on, set Depay obviously not involved in, in, in this game. Um why not? That can take your far in a World Cup and work for them last season. Could he have been any more wide open than that other guy, Van de Beest, or whoever the hell they put in at the bat? What's his name? The, the Bast. The, the Bast, yeah. Who is the good? But he's 18. Why is he marking Virgil van Dijk? I mean, <laughs> I come on. Mismatch. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash G-A-B-J-U-L-S now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. I have an urge for some more quick hits. Yeah. Diogo Dalot scores twice and Cristiano Ronaldo gets an almighty whack to wow. the nose in a clash with Thomas Vesic. I'll tell you what, Cristiano Ronaldo, not afraid to get stuck in yep. there. Uh, but Portugal win 4-0 away to the Czech Republic. Jules, you're a huge Fernando Santos fan. <laughs> Did you like what you saw? Do you like this? To be fair, since we destroyed him for his very conservative defensive uh, displays in the past, you know, especially against Serbia, for example, and, and, and how bad they were with the ball, there's been improvement. I mean, if you start Rafael Leo, for example, in the Leo, front Bruno... Bernardo, and Cristiano. So there's no room for Diogo Jota. That's the one. But I think as a super sub, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, unless you want to partner someone up front. Yeah, but I love Diogo Jota. Jota. He's not better than those guys, right? No, no. But if you don't want Cristiano to be too on his own, I mean, the Czech are not very good. I mean, you know, Schick missed the penalty. But still, there was a, there was a big gap between the two. There would be tougher opponents, including Spain. 
obviously on, on Tuesday night if you fancy that one which is going to be a very special game but yeah at, at least they're on the right path Portugal and our friend Fernando Santos who is listening to the show Portugal's wins means that they only need a point now on Tuesday night against Spain Gab who managed to lose at home to Switzerland this was sloppy from Luis Enrique's crew and it was was it necessary to play Marcos Asuncio instead of Borja, Borja Iglesias up front as the kind of lone striker force number nine whatever I think it was okay, actually, I but say, yeah. I don't understand. Just, dude, you're better with a real center forward rather than somebody who's only who only plays a few minutes here and there for Real Madrid. Yeah. I mean, I know because he scored in the Champions League and whatever, maybe you'll get more, but I wouldn't count it because Benzema's going to be back at some point. Just play Iglesias. Play Iglesias and say, hey, Borja, oh. pretend you're Alvaro Morata and see where we are because this is going to be our team yeah. um, at the Euros. He, he made a lot of changes and stuff and, again, poor on set pieces and Switzerland made them pay. Meanwhile, Jules, Germany contrived to lose at home to Hungary, Ooh. who topped the group. Uh, if they avoid defeat against Italy in a few hours, they're going to the final four too. Would you rather praise Hungary or complain about Hansi Flick's inability to get much out of his team? I mean, both. I think Marco Rossi is doing an amazing job with his Hungarian team, who defend well and work hard for each other and all of that, which we knew before. But still, they keep amazing, they keep amazing everybody by the results that they get the solidity that they have. And and I thought they were really, really good against Germany. They could easily have won 3-0, really. They had two big chances really towards the end. Germany. Yeah, so, and for Germany, I know it's Hansi Flick's first defeat, so it's not as worrying as you know, what we've seen for other countries, maybe. But they didn't play well no, at all. It looked like you didn't want to be there. Right back was, I could have told, we could have told Flick before, that's a stupid idea. So, I don't know. It's, it's worrying, I think. Gab, you won't be talking much about Italy, of course, during the World Cup because they won't be there. So let me ask you about how they looked against England on Friday night. Did you like what you saw from like a C team? Yeah, I mean, again, everybody's missing, even Chiro Immobile. Chiro Immobile, by the way, who tried, there's a whole thing going on there because he wanted to, to play in this game yeah. and he's injured. Then supposedly he's not going to be playing tonight because Lazio like, no, no, you're still injured, Chiro. Don't go anywhere. I'm like, come on, man. Like, well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought they did fine. My, my man Raspadori scoring a great goal. Um, Bonucci looking like Bonucci. It's funny, he gets rested for, for Juve, for, for the national. I don't know what this says, but, but Bonucci, I got to tip my hat. When ah, he plays the ball well, for Raspadori in the first yeah. touch, amazing. And uh, no, I, I, I think this is a team that's, you know, the, the kids the kids are happy. The kids are, the kids are trying hard when they're in there. Not everybody played well, but man, England were so poor. Yeah. I'm not going to read so much into it. But mm -hmm. let's get the job done against Hungary, and then we'll talk. At least there'll <laughs> be one Italian coach in the final Exactly, four. for sure. <laughs> Uh, Argentina beat up Honduras 3-0 to extend their unbeaten streak to 34 games. Uh, Lionel Messi scored twice to bring his career total to 88. Jules, he's fourth among the men, 29 behind yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you think he has a chance at catching him? And I'm going to assume you don't think he's going to catch Christine Sinclair's all-time record no. because he would need to score 102 goals yeah. to do that. Christine Sinclair, I don't think, will ever be caught. <laughs> she was there at the top and deservedly so. Don't tell Cristiano that. Well, I still, even Cristiano, even in Cristiano's world. You only world, need 73, Cristiano. Only, yeah, true. At his edge. I mean, with him, anything is possible, but still, I think it's too much. To, the gap is too big to... to I know, so Cristiano's going to keep playing. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe probably longer than Messi, but that, that I think the first goal that Messi scored, the lob, 
It's just amazing. Sweet. He's been so good. And I know he was only Honduras, but still, I, I think I think there's something pretty special cooking there with Argentina. And so Papu be, in the front yeah, three. It'd be very interesting to see at the World Cup. And speaking of Messi, Gabriel Mundo Deportivo reports that Barcelona are working hard to try to bring him back for farewell season. Is this just paper talk or do you believe in it? No, I think this is just paper talk. Like, oh, look, let's fill the pages. What's the part? I mean, I, to me, it makes zero. It makes zero sense from no a footballing perspective. Sad. The way the way Xavi's been playing, I'll be, you know, they're like, of course, Messi would have taken a big pay cut. Yeah, I may be sure if he comes and plays for free. I'm not saying Messi couldn't help this team. Messi could help any team in the world. No. However, yeah, dude, you've chosen a path. Stick with it. You want to come back when he retires, have a farewell game, by all means. You can name this the stand after him, although they only like to name stands after people who pay them to do that. So I don't know if that's going <laughs> to But, you know, he's an important part of your history, but no, yeah. not, not to actually play. Come no. on. Richard Lisson scores twice as Brazil beat Ghana 3 0. Jules, they looked really good in that first half. They were amazing. I mean, I think. Ghana played into their hands really by playing like a super attacking team really and losing Thomas Partey just before kickoff as well didn't help them. But that first half, Brazil could easily have been 7-0 up. They were that good. They missed so many chances that they created. They scored two of the three goals on set pieces. It was great from Neymar, from Paqueta, all of that. It was amazing. Second half was just like pointless. But the first half was very, very impressive. Cristiano Ronaldo has been charged by DFA over the incident last April, remember, when he appeared to uh, knock a, f- a mobile phone out of the hands of a 14-year-old autistic boy when United played away at Goodison Park. Gab, why has it taken so long? I have no idea. This is a question for the FA. Look, I, th- this incident, Cristiano Ronaldo's come out. He has apologized. Yeah, he apologized to the kid. He mm. said he, he take him over. Like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't realize that the kid was autistic. But whether he was autistic or not doesn't matter. You don't yeah. knock a phone, uh, you knock, knock it out of his hands. I don't know what more he can do. The mom is still upset. The mom said she hasn't, they haven't had the mobile phone back. I'm like, what is it? Is it like in evidence or something? You need to explain why it takes six months to go and charge him to go get some resolution on the story. Benjamin Sesko wins a battle of the big, tall, current or former Salzburg center forwards against Erling Holland. Both scored, but Slovenia beat Norway 2-1. Jules' promotion will be declared uh, decided Tuesday night when Norway hosts Serbia, who beat Sweden 4-1. Who you got, Norway or Serbia? I thought Serbia looked really good against Sweden. I have to be honest, Mitrovic was in great form. I mean, that team, the, the, the Vlahovic-Mitrovic part, like fun too. It's pretty special when they want to play. So I go for Serbia here. Sorry, Erling. Tony Cruz is contra- So one Vlaovic plus one Mitrovic equals is greater than one Holland? Yeah, but I mean, they took the one. <laughs> but I would still go with the two one. Tony Cruz's contract with Real Madrid expires in June. And Gab, there's talk of an extension as he wants to end his career at the Bernabeu. I know your feelings about extending all the players, though. Yeah, I don't normally like this. I think in Tony Cruz, he hasn't been great. He has to reinvent himself a little bit. He's not going to get around the way he once did. Yeah. But I think he can still contribute. I can still, I think the likes of Chormani and Kamavinga can still learn a lot from him. I'm all in favor of this if it's the right terms and the right length. Jules, a philosophical question for you. Okay. The legendary Kaká yeah. says there are no more number 10s in the modern game. And if he were starting out today, there would be no room for him in modern football. Is he? <laughs> I love Kaká. He's one yeah, of the nicest too. people in the history of the world. He is. He's being a bit melodramatic here, yeah? Yeah, I mean, one, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, he, I don't think he was a traditional number 10 either. Uh, <laughs> I think if you have a player like Kaka in your team, really, you build your team around him or certainly you make sure that he's feeling comfortable and you play on his strength. So I would think that even right now, a manager will, will adapt to the, the, the best players that he has, whether it's a mm-hmm. traditional number 10 and you play, you play it like that. If it's 
uh, striker like Haaland. I mean, I don't know, a striker like Mbappe. I, but it's also like, what gets me about this, why they think this is silly from Kaká is that it's not like Kaká was Riquelme, right? He doesn't fit into Definitely the, not. oh, the genius number 10 who doesn't run and Less slow, slow and whatever, yeah. but he's a genius and it's just worth... Kaká's a freaking athlete. Yeah. He's tall, he's, he's fast, yeah. he was strong. You know, if you want to say not many teams play with a number 10 behind the striker, like Bruno Fernandes is obviously one example. Mm -hmm. You know, but I like to think he's an intelligent guy. He can reinvent himself. Bernardo Silva can play on the wing. He can play central. Yeah, I mean, yeah. De Bruyne well, as well. I mean, you know, there's like a few examples that... Yeah, I don't... Yeah. I, I, no, you sure. kind of lost me there, yeah, Ricky. Yeah, maybe. Chelsea Gab, we're hoping to appoint a director of football during this international window. I'm not sure it's going to happen now because remember we said, Michael Edwards said no. Christoph Rund said no. So now they've been linked, certainly in the English media, with... Yeah, Team I, I think we had some fun. I mean, yeah, this, yeah. Right? I'll tell you who they are. You read the name. Of okay, you mentioned the club. Right. Tim Steinton. So Tim Steinton is with Bayer Leverkusen. That's right. Uh, he's... By the way, he only became their director of football this past summer. Yeah, yeah. Victor Orta. Victor Orta, he's at, uh, he's at Leeds United. Right. Michael Zork. Michael Zork was the director yeah. of football at Borussia Dortmund, and he retired in the summer. Yeah, replaced by Sebastian Kiel. Who was also on a list. He just became director of football in the summer. Andre Alberta. Andre Alberta is at, uh, is at Atletico Madrid. Yeah. He's Italian. He's got kind of an odd rise to the top, but pretty highly regarded by some. Although the problem with the Madrid is you never quite know, like, is Andrea Berta the director of football? Is it George yeah. Mendes? Like, yeah, yeah. But whatever. Monchi? Monchi has to be linked with every sport. Yeah, we have. of course. Monchi's always. a genius. There's nothing wrong. Anybody yeah. out there, you know. Les Reed. This is the one that's I mean, the next two are like... So, Les Reed, I've had the privilege of meeting him. Yeah, He's me too. He's a super smart once, guy. Yeah. He's 69 years old. He's had different... Technical director he was with the FA. Yeah. He coached Charlton for a spell. He's now a consultant to Wrexham. I don't know. I haven't watched a documentary. I'm told I'm in it, by the way, weirdly enough. Funny enough. Yeah, I, I want my shirt, Wrexham, by the way, please. Uh, funny enough, the number of people who say like, oh, I saw you in that documentary, Gab. And I'm like, which one? Because, you know, I'm We're everywhere. I've been in a bunch of them, yeah. right? They're like, oh, no, the Wrexham one. You my wife wanted to watch it because she wanted to watch Ryan Reynolds. And you pop up straight away. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah great. Like, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, try the beginning. <laughs> but, um, and Mark Overmars, who obviously was at Ajax. Yeah. <sighs> Left under bad circumstances. Yes, because he was sending inappropriate yeah. text messages. Yeah. He's apologized. I, I don't, so wait, I read this list in the paper. I'm, I am going to give Taboli again and, and Iqbali the benefit of the doubt, but this is not their list because it can't be their list. It cannot you be. You can't have a guy who just, retired you can't have people who've just been in a job like two three months yeah because you know obviously they had different jobs before but like just the absolute disrespect with other clubs or just take somebody straight away um victor orta yeah maybe i mean he could be plausible but again mid-season you take him i mean mark overmars is unemployed yeah. so yeah but that comes with a ton of baggage, baggage yeah um i it's uh, it's so weird I'm going to guess that this list, which I saw in an English, in a big selling English paper, yeah. is not sourced from Chelsea. These are people making educated guesses, people entering the bully sphere yeah. and saying, oh, this could be who he's been thinking of. I, I, I can only guess. Yeah. 
Trouble in the Spanish women's national team, Jules. 15 senior players are reportedly unhappy with coach uh, Jorge Vilda. Yeah. Um, though they denied early reports saying that they asked for him to be removed. Yeah, it's the Spanish FA. Um, like almost like leaked some of the uh, the complaint by the players who then wrote an open letter. Alexia Putellas, who's not in the first 15, but has coming out and supporting her teammates. Which is which is a, a big mess. I mean, it, it looks like they're not happy with with Jorge Vilda's methods and you know attitude and and, well, and things like that. Is it weird to you because he's been in charge since 2015? Yeah, it's a long so time. So it's not like somebody comes in, changes things around, messes True. with the team, right? But it took you seven years to figure out you don't like him. It might have gone worse and worse and worse, or there might be a space of time where you kind of accept it and go with long, and then you can't take it anymore. I don't know, but 15 and they. They are big players as well for, for you know for the national team. We're talking about like, you know like big big names in Spanish in, in the Spanish women's side. So I don't know where you're going, but you go. There's obviously a World Cup coming up very soon now, so you need to sort out ASAP. Big win for Carlos Queiroz, Iran, Gab, as they defeat Uruguay 1-0. This is against a backdrop of major turmoil back home and within the Iranian FA as well. Yeah, and I, so you know, I love this is a friendly, but. I looked at the Uruguayan lineup and I said, this is pretty close to their, to, yeah. to, to their first 11, right? It was. Um, the reason I bring this up, obviously, there's a lot of political turmoil um, in Iran right now, kind of real world stuff with several people have been tragically killed. There's protests in different parts of the country against certain certain restrictions. There's turmoil with Carlos Queiroz coming back yeah. in the first place, yeah. you know, replacing the guy whose name escapes me right now, who actually got them qualified yeah, for the Cesar World Cup. Or something, yes. um, Cesar, yeah, yeah something like that. Um, and there's also, as often happens, a lot of these players making a stand, supporting some of the protesters and, mm. and, and their rights on, on, on social media. Uh, or, you know, some of them, they, they put some posts up and then they were asked to take them down. Some of them have turned their profiles black. It's a tricky one because a number of these Iranian players are players who are of Iranian descent but grew up in, in Europe or other parts yeah. of the world. So they have dual nationality. Um, this is a really, this is a situation to watch. This is a tricky situation. Yeah. Again, I just pray that nobody gets hurt uh, going forward. That's obviously the most important thing. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's a really stormy way to approach the World Cup, even as they're getting, mm. even just got a good result on the pitch. Argentina have asked clubs not to field uh, the players called up for the World Cup in the final round of matches before the tournament. <laughs> Jules, does this make sense to you? Do you think anybody will listen? I mean, in a way, I admire them trying. You know, say, hey, PSG, you know, hey, uh, Manchester United, hey, uh, do you mind not playing, you know, Messi or Lisandro or those players on that weekend just before we fly out to Qatar? So the 12th and 13th of November, there will be matches all around Europe. And then the players who will go to the World Cup will join the national team and then fly out on the 15, 16, 17, whatever. Uh, come on, man. Those, those clubs pay those players. The wages come from those clubs. But in the, the real team. world, if Paris Saint-Germain are at home against Brest or Clermont Foot or another body part that week, right? I'm, 
Messi's like, hey, Christoph, I feel a bit. But and you then Neymar's need, like, oh, me too, me too. But you don't need the AFA to tell you that. I mean, I think every single club and manager think like, of course, if I can, I'll take you out after a half time if we're 3 up or you might not play if, if it's not a tough game, if it's an easy game. Or, you know, I get, I get all of that. But don't like start writing letters or sending emails saying, you know, begging for clubs not to play your stars before they go to the World Cup. Yeah, doing this in public isn't... It's, no. It's, it's, it's and then not, if everybody does that and they listen, we'll, we'll have the under-23s playing in that in the last weekend, you know, all, all around Europe. Well, plus Verratti. Plus Verratti. I, I, plus I'm, Italian. I'm, At least the Italians can play. <laughs> no, but I'm imagining like, I'm imagining like, like Paris Saint-Germain's last game before the World Cup, if they increase their lead and it's, you know, Sergio Ramos, Verratti, Donnarumma, <laughs> and nobody else, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and that's it. Um, bad to worse for Juventus, Gab. They released their financial accounts uh, showing enormous losses and fans seem to be dispirited. They've had just one sellout uh, game this season and season ticket sales are down 27%. I mean... This to me, all right, I'm going to be critical of you over here, right? Enormous losses. And they keep saying, oh, it's because of COVID. I'm like, yeah, it's because of COVID, because of Cristiano, because of stupid choices that you made. Yeah. And I think Cristiano was a stupid choice necessarily. But it's because of all these things, because of all the money you pay, Max, because it's all those coaches you signed and then got rid of early. Um, and, of course, fans are dispirited because the team is terrible and everybody's injured. However, they need to think of their pricing strategy. Hey, Juve fans, there's, been, there's long been a group of Juve fans who I think are just so accustomed to winning. And this is the problem when you send out the message like, oh, it's only about winning. Right? Yeah. When you don't win, some of your fans aren't going to show up. I think it's appalling. The stadium's not that big, by the way. It's not like it's an 80,000 no, seat. Yeah. It's not like they're trying, Barcelona trying to fill the camp. No. Ticket sales being down 27%, season ticket sales. That's, that's really bad. One sellout this season. Um, you know, and they play in the Champions League. That is really bad. They need to think about it. Some of it is ticket prices, I think, are too high um, for for some areas of the ground. They need to think about and go to the commercial guy and say, guys, how does this work? Because I'll tell you what, Milan and Inter, when they were terrible and came after years of failures, they managed to get their crowds back up to Mm 60,000 even when they were terrible. There's no reason Juve have a bigger global fan base. Yeah, keep definitely. telling us who's. But when you market yourself like, oh, we just win. That's all we do. All we care is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Then you're going to have, and I, I can't relate to this as a fan. Yeah. I would go watch my team even when they're terrible. I have done watch my team even when they're terrible. You send this message to your fans, you're going to have some Muppets who are like, oh, why do I want to watch this crap? I don't want to watch me that day. I'll just wait for Pogba to come back. Oh, I'll come watch them when they're good. No, that's not the attitude. It's no, a crappy attitude. This is when your club needs you, is when yeah, you're down. Yeah, exactly. UEFA have handed out punishments for trouble in the last round of Champions League games. Marseille and Nice will have to play behind closed doors. Eintracht Frankfurt and Juventus got partial stadium closures in Juve's case because it was literally one fan. Yeah. Um, it's... It's a, it's a suspended uh, closed doors punishment. Do you get a sense that things are getting worse in terms of fan behavior around Europe? Or is it UEFA who are cracking down more? No, no, I, th- I think it started badly. And I think it's important. it was important from UEFA to, to be really strict so it doesn't continue you know, through the season. But this happened in the first two, you know, two match European, days. Yeah, match yeah. days in Europe. So this is pretty bad to have that. Those kind of incidents so early on, but make sure they don't continue. But remember last season in Ligue 1, we had 
a lot of troubles that we were not really sure how Usually to involving Marseille and Nice. Yeah, true. Uh, was it, it was people going back to the stadium after COVID. I, I don't know, but it's something that... But you is there something about the south of France? Is it like, oh, look, we have the sea, I we have know. the sun, Maybe. the food is too good here. Let's go and riot. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... But Marseille have a history. Frankfurt in fact, Con- I think Marseille were already... They had a previous punishment that yeah, was suspended. Exactly. And so it kicked in now. That's why, yeah. And then North Stand would be suspended again. It would be closed for the Spurs game as well. But do um, Nice have a history in the same way? Of- yeah, they've been pretty bad as well. They're ultras. They've had a few issues. And then I think when German clubs travel... They bring 10 billion people. Yeah, and I think in those 10 million people, there's also a lot of ultras from there who are there for the fighting more than anything else. So it's something that they really need to keep a a close eye on. At least 2,000 Liverpool fans have joined in a class action lawsuit gap against UEFA claiming negligence and breach of contract over events at the Champions League final. What do you make of it? I think good for them. Um, You know... It's not entirely their contract was with UEFA when they bought the tickets. If, if I had spent however much money it took to get yeah. there and I couldn't get into the ground or I felt unsafe or I was tear gassed or whatever through no fault of my own. And by the way, it's not just Liverpool fans, Real Madrid fans were affected yeah. as well. And yeah. I believe some of them have also joined this lawsuit. Yeah. It's UEFA's responsibility. UEFA, when they issue a ticket, you sign a contract with them and they guarantee certain things. Yeah. And then, of course, UEFA go, can go and take it up with the French police, the French authorities, as Which they have done. Do. There's yeah. a big investigation coming out. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I think going through the courts in this situation, 100% the right thing to do. Yeah. What we want to yeah. do is we want to learn from this so it doesn't happen again. Exactly. Nabi Keita's contract expires in June. He's reportedly seeking assurances over playing time from Jurgen Klopp. Just my reaction to this was... <laughs> Maybe you should get fit first before you ask for... I know. What about Liverpool asking assurances from you, Nabi, about <laughs> you being fit so they maybe can play you a bit more before giving you a new deal? Um, it's, it's a shame that it hasn't worked out for him. You know, and, and I think fitness problems have been the biggest issue here because at times we, we saw how good he can be and how much he can bring to this team. But you can't rely on him. If he plays one game or two games and he's out for five... Just like I think the message to Nabi Keita is very simple. I say, Nabi, play three months in a row, be available for selection yeah. three months in a row, and then we'll talk about your contract. If then you decide to become, you know, Billy Big Bollocks and you say, oh, no, yeah, look, I, I have offers from elsewhere. I'm like, fine, Good. there's Good the door. Gini Vinaldum enough. I mean, because you know what? The thing about Nabi Keita is you're not in that situation. Like another A list club, <laughs> unless it's Juventus, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's the kind of thing they would do. They're not going to come in and give you a better deal than what Liverpool would, right? So you would yeah. have to move down to that next level down, like if that's what you want. And that's if you play really, really well mm. and hold out for more money, right? Yeah. He's not Gini Vinaldum. He's no. freaking Nabi no. Keita. No, no. Manchester United will reportedly activate the option to extend Marcus Rashford's contract by one season if they can't agree a proper new contract. This is a no-brainer, right? Otherwise, it would be out of contract, of course. I've got a contract in the summer, yeah. yeah. And buy them time. You assess, you know, he's had, he's played better this year. Yeah. See what, te- it allows Ten Hag to assess him for more time as well. So, I don't, I don't see the rush with the new contract. It's not like, you know, Rashford has that much leverage. Wait yeah. for the World Cup, see where you are, activate the other thing, and then, all right. Let's have let's start having discussions in January and see where we are, see what we want to do. The uh, Premier League, um, the Times reporting that they've reached a deal with or they've made an offer to the football. This has not been approved yet. Yeah. Where essentially they're going to pay them 175 million a year in exchange. The football league, they're going to eliminate 
um, replays in the FA Cup. And yes, please. they're going to also, uh, those Premier League teams that are in Europe won't have to play in the League Cup. They can choose either not to participate in the League Cup or or they can send their uh, under-21 side or yeah. under-23 side, whatever it is. Um, good idea? I mean, I, I'm, I'm here for scrapping the League Cup anyway, like we've done in France. I don't really care about the League Cup. I don't know who cares about the League Cup. I know it's another trophy that you can win. And Jose Mourinho, we say, I've won the League Cup three <laughs> times for respect. It's more than you and me together. I mean, the League Cup right now, bring it back if you want in three or four years' time where the calendar is a bit different. Maybe there's more room, there's more space. But right now, the players are overplayed already. Let's not bother with the League Cup, please. And I think it's the same for FA Cup replay. So if you can get some money... To say, like, you know what? Yeah, you can get a pass. You know what I would do as well? Because, like, the Premier League are sitting on an enormous pile of money, right? Yeah. And, and eventually they have to spend this money. This is the economic side of it. Like, as much as we like to pretend that, you know, those evil glazers could just go and put the money in their own pockets and run out of town, they can't. Realistically, this money gets spent. So it gets either spent on player wages yeah. in the Premier League or, you know, a salary for the guy who, who's, you know, number 24 in the squad. Or... You give it to the football league, right? Trickle down the pyramid. I mean, there's other ways they already fund the the football mm. league. My difficulty, I, I'd go further though. I would say, why don't you? You can have your 175 million, but we want to tell you, you have to spend it on stuff that makes sense. You're not going to go and spend it in some crazy pursuit to try to get promoted. <laughs> you can spend yeah. it on infrastructure, spend it on the stadium, spend it on the you know, to, 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 yeah. to pay down your debt if you have debt. But yeah. then let's have real. I don't see why they don't go to the football league. So you can have this money, but you need to have real oversight so we don't have this nonsense where we have teams in the football league who's, you know, you've got teams whose budget is 20 times that of other teams in the same division. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No, right? that's true. And, and that's why I, I demand better oversight for this, I, yeah. I think. Anyway. Gab, the ECN and, uh, and FIFA are still talking over the new calendar that was kicking in 2024. And as we know, Arsene Wenger's idea, uh, he wants fewer international breaks, have, uh, like one big one where you play a lot of your national team matches to have more time for the rest for the, for the domestic leagues and the European competition, etc. What's the latest in the terms of the negotiation between countries? Are some in favor and some against it? Well, it's not just Arsene Wenger. It's me too, by the way. <laughs> no, I don't probably matter as much as Arsene Wenger does. Uh, no, I, I thought this was something where people were, where enough people were on board with this, right? Yeah. You rather than having, I think it's four or five. Yeah, so September, October, November, yeah. March, and yeah. Let's cut it down so we've got longer breaks. You play more games, right? Um, advantages, less travel for the players. So you've got a player welfare issue. Or I think that's why the unions were in favor of it. Um, you know, I, I think it's better for the national FAs because they can market their team over time. There's nothing else going on. Everybody focuses on it. Um, and the big FAs were, were in favor of it. Yeah, it means, you know, maybe no Premier League for three weeks, but that's fine. You know, I'm right now I'm getting it shoved down my throat with the midweek football and this and that. Um, it just makes you hungrier for it to come back, right? Yeah. Um, but in the end, weirdly, it's the, I'm told it's the um, mid-level FAs who are against it because they say, no, 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 for marketing purposes, if I'm Northern Ireland or Norway or whatever, I need to go and I need to have a game a home game every six weeks. It's not better if I, if I have them compressed together. It doesn't work. There's also a problem of logistics, which is if you have longer breaks and you have to play more games, 
in Europe, it's fine because it's small and it's just a two-hour flight yeah. one way or the other. But you know, in, in in Africa, in Asia, in other countries where just the connections, the travel, it gets difficult. I mean, like you can't please everybody. Right yeah. now, it seems to me like they're heading towards that solution um, where things are going to stay the same. I hope, I hope sanity prevails. And instead, we have longer breaks, more games, change qualifying if you have to, come up yeah. with different formulas. Because but time is running out, though. That's the thing. Time like, is running you know, out. They, the they need to resets. find an agreement. Yeah, very the Calendar soon. resets in 2024. Yeah. Um, and it's in everybody's interest. It's not just because you could say, oh, let the calendar run out. And then, you know, then we can form a Super League or the Premier League can do what they want. Uh, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Premier League need to sell the rights from twenty. I really need to sell the rights from twenty twenty four forward, and they can only do that if they have a calendar. Yeah. Otherwise, they don't make any money. Jules, in our ongoing series of crossover athletes, we love. I know you're dying to tell me about our friend Remco, who is now a world champion. Remember, we mentioned him when he won La Vuelta, the the the, the Tour of Spain, uh, the, cy- the cycling, of course, uh, and now he's a world champion. Indeed, he won this weekend in Australia. Amazing race. What well, talent is twenty two, and obviously. Why he's relevant to the show, in case you forgot from last time, is because he used to be a super talented player, football player. When he was 16, he was under leg captain, Belgium under 16 captain. And then he chose cycling instead of He's kind of like the Belgian Deion Sanders or Bo yeah, Jackson, exactly. if you want to go. Exactly. So wait, now that he's won La Vuelta, now that he's become world champion, yeah. shouldn't you go back to football? I'm like, I imagine. Team up with Kevin De Bruyne oh my and, God. And, and Yuri Tielemans and lead Belgium. Well, I that. want to see now. I, I've never seen him with a football now. Like even KPRPs, even, I don't know, a charity match, anything. So now I'm hoping, uh, now that the cycling season is going to go into like a break, uh, I would love to see him on the pitch and see how really good he is still now, you know, because I must think have you kickabouts and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure. I'll, I'll try to find something. Zlatan <laughs> Ibrahimovic, Gab, isn't back on the pitch yet, but he will be in movies, theaters soon, starring in the new Asterix and Nobelix movie, uh, Asterix and Nobelix in the Middle Kingdom. Yes, if you you need to go, you need to go see the Pro Bowl. Of course, this Slatan being Slatan, you know, <laughs> he obviously has to do a heel turn. He plays uh, he plays a Roman centurion. The yeah. Romans, weird, they're the bad guys. Antivirus in- is his name. His name is what? Antivirus. Antivirus. Because <laughs> obviously, you know, all Asterix and his mate, their name have to finish in X, of right. course, I-X. And then for all the Romans, have to finish in U-S. So antivirus. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. If you haven't seen the Asterix Nobelix things, I mean, I, I grew up reading the comic books. They are the most French thing <laughs> imaginable. <laughs> like, like, seriously. Like, yeah, no, they, I, are, they are. And, and it's, it's a lot of fun. He could do a little bit of Taekwondo yeah, in it. Yeah, of course. Um, good for him. It, it suits him perfectly. Yeah, I can't is. wait to see Slatan in the next. Avengers movie. Oh my God, imagine. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Marvel, you know, you listen to us. Yeah, yeah. Right, Jules, that brings us to an end, but um, we got to come back on Thursday, do this all over again, oh, because yes. we'll have more Nations League verdicts, more international friendlies, and league football yeah. on its way back exactly. real soon. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Love yourself.